0: Hey, Welcome to the Bible Savvy Podcast, a weekly conversation on how to understand, enjoy, and apply God's Word. I'm your host, Nikki Lucas, and I'm joined by Executive Pastor Eric Ferris and Teaching Pastor Clayton Keenan. We're about to jump into another passage from the Bible Savvy Reading Plan, but you know the drill. I've got a question. If you were hired to be a tester for one product, what product would you want it to be?
1: Meatloaf. <laughs> <Gosh>. <laughs> oh, that...
0: I don't know about it. I don't like meatloaf.
1: I don't know. That sounds like. Can, can how much you imagine? How much bad meatloaf do you have to eat to finally get to the good meatloaf? Uh, send it back, guys. <laughs> meatloaf is not my answer. For I me, just, it'd be like. I just wanted to say meatloaf I don't in one like of the really podcasts. I have a list of words I want to work in the podcast. Meatloaf <laughs> has now been scratched off the list.
2: What's your real
0: answer? What's your real answer, Eric? What's your Eric? Did What's you do that? What's your <laughs>
1: Eric? Um, uh, my answer would be luxury sports cars. Oh, oh, that's good idea. go out to some that. test
2: track somewhere and yeah. Have a that's lot of cool. fun.
0: Yeah, I'm I can definitely see that. Clayton?
2: Uh I think I would love to screen movies. Like oh. uh you know they they test them in front of audiences to say like oh what worked for you whatever. Cuz I feel like when Michelle and I watch movies, that's essentially what we do is we're like, here's how we would fix it. You pick think it think oh yeah, we're like <laughs> they didn't do this a good job with this character. They didn't know what funny they were if doing. They just introduced this theme a little earlier. They could have closed the story out like we do that all the time. But that's that's sort of what happens when you're you're married to a, a creative writing teacher and you know. The Do guy you guys ever text. disagree? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All the time. But yeah, we by the end we're usually like, nah, this is this would be better. And we get so frustrated because we're like, someone gave feedback to this movie And we're just a a couple of yokels sitting here on the couch, and we've got a better idea than what they gave us. So why didn't someone say that to them?
1: So you think. So I think. But I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty confident. I think about that all the time when I'm watching commercials. I think to myself, (laughs) at some place, in some marketing firm somewhere, someone paid a lot of money to a group of people that said this commercial was a really good idea. And then it got on TV. <laughs> yes. It's like who was they in the room <laughs> that approved this and put their signature to it? Yeah, Nikki, what's your product?
0: Backpacks. Backpacks. Yes, I love backpacks. Um, I love to try out a, a variety of kinds. I've got like a like a, a section in my closet just dedicated to backpacks. Really? Over the years, yeah, different kinds, different sizes, different materials, lots of pockets, not a lot of pockets. I just I just love backpacks.
1: I have never. In my life, seen you carrying a backpack.
0: Yeah, and all the time. And I, I will. I, I mean, I, I, I kind of splurge on with my backpack. Nine years. Nikki. I have a backpack all the time. Not with me right now. That's not my, like backpack. You. Not like you. my backpack. You're my backpack. Not like you. I'm looking at. No, that's not mine. Mine's, <laughs> mine's in my office. But yeah, and like travel backpacks too. Oh, man, yeah, it's great. I can't
2: even think of how you test that. Is it like, well, let's see how much I can fit in it, or. Throw well, it down a mountain or something? Like, what do you...
0: Well, like, I do... A, you could put
2: meatloaf in it. Yeah, you
0: could put meatloaf. <laughs> I do a lot... Like, before I buy a backpack, I do a bunch of research on it before I actually... Ah. Yeah. Like, and it's got It's to have... Like, I buy backpacks that have, like, lifetime warranties on them. So if they break zipper breaks, you... Wow. Yeah, I mean... You know, sometimes you got to splurge on them, but they last for a long time.
1: Did you ever watch Dora the Explorer?
0: I did not. No. It was, I was too old for that when it came okay, out.
1: Okay. You know the backpack song, yeah,
0: yeah? I, yeah? Okay. I'm aware of it. All right. Yeah. Just associate me with the backpack song <laughs> All right. Clayton, you've got some stuff, uh, some classes that are coming up that you want to tell everybody about.
2: So on January 27th, this is a Saturday and it's a half day in the morning kind of class. We've got What's in the Bible. Uh, What's in the Bible is for those of you who are brand new to Bible reading. So uh, if you have read the Bible uh, for some time and you're kind of familiar, this is not the class for you. This is for those of you who are like, I just jumped in. I'm listening to this podcast because I just need some help because I've never done this before. I'm not even sure you know, where these books you're talking about are in the Bible and kind of you know, where Moses is and David. And I've heard these names, but I, I, it's intimidating. I, I'm not sure what to do. This is the class where it's absolutely okay to walk in with zero knowledge of the Bible, and we will help you understand what the story of the Bible is, kind of what's in there, how it's organized, how it's laid out. In one Saturday morning, you get that with some really friendly people who are going to be asking the same sort of questions you are. So that's January 27th. You can register for that on our website. The other one is February 1st in the evening. That's a Thursday evening. We have a Bible Memory Workshop. So we've done this a couple times before where we uh, have someone in our church who's really good at memorizing Scripture, and he loves to pass on uh, different uh, tips and tricks and ways that you can do that. So he's going to be doing that on February 1st, and you can sign up for that as well. On
1: How many site. times has this guy led the Bible Memory Seminar?
2: Uh, I think two or three times here at, uh, at Christ Community. I know he's done it at other places as well. It's kind okay, of his, so his people keep
1: day. inviting him back, so he must be good.
2: Does he sing songs? Does he? he What are his methods? Well, you have to come. You got to come to the the workshop to get the methods. I'm not going to give them here. You got to actually come. I was going to say give them for free, but it's it's free if you (laughs) come to the thing too. So no charge for that. But you got to
0: show up. Yeah, that's great. Good, two good opportunities. So he opportunities. puts Bible
2: verses to songs.
1: That's my guess.
0: Oh, well, I mean, we know that Eric would do that. Br- that Eric would, would do be, that. Brady Bunch
1: yeah. theme song to any Bible verse, it'll stick in your head.
0: Ah, that's yeah. interesting. It, it, let's see
2: if he reads this verse this way. Okay. Yeah. We should probably talk about the passage Yes, we're yes. About. What passage are we looking at? Uh, we are in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to start in verse one. Let me give you a little context here. Uh, Hebrews is a book that is written to a group of people who are... Uh, Christ followers who come out of a Jewish background, so they're Jewish Christians. And one of the things that the author of Hebrews is doing is trying to show how Jesus fulfills all of the things that were going on in the Old Testament, that Jesus is the culmination of the fulfillment of those things. And he's focusing a lot on the temple and the sacrifices in particular, because those are things that if you're coming out of a Jewish background, you're saying, okay, I want to know that my sins are taken care of, that the death of Jesus actually works for this. And so uh, the author of Hebrews is exploring how things changed once Jesus came, uh, going from kind of how it worked in the Old Testament to how it works after Jesus. So we're going to dig into all of that. We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 1 through 18.
1: The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never, by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year, Make perfect those who draw near to worship. Otherwise, would they not have stopped being offered? For the worshipers would have been cleansed once for all and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins. It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice an offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings you were not pleased. Then I said, Here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, my God. First he said, Sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them, though they were offered in accordance with the law. Then he said, Here I am. I have come to do your will. He sets aside the first to establish the second. And by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest has had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins... He sat down at the right hand of God and since that time he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool for by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First he says, this is the covenant I will make with them after that time says the Lord I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds and then he adds their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. And where these have been forgiven, sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary.
2: All right, let's go on to observations. This is where we look at the text and see what is there. So what do you guys see in this passage?
0: Um, one of the things that I saw in verse 11, and I, I didn't pick up on this contrast, but it's in the end of a study note, at least mine. It could be in a, It could be different for other Bibles, but... It says in verse 11, it says, day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duty. And then it says, but after Jesus made his sacrifice for all time, he sat down at the right hand of God. And so it says a contrast between standing and sitting. The priests always stood because their work was never finished. But after Jesus wants sacrifice, which covers for all time, he sat down because his work was done. And I just thought that was kind of cool. Like to... I would have never, in a in a million years, like thought to contrast. What's the difference between the priest standing and then Jesus sitting down at the right hand of God? But that was just really cool for me.
1: Yeah, that's a cool contrast. The one, the contrast between standing and sitting. The other contrast that stuck out to me is the over and over and over yeah. and over again versus the. One time for all.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. When, when your repeated word is basically repeatedly, it's, it's like yeah. over. Yeah. So um, the thing that I noticed was this opening image. Uh, the law is only a shadow of the good things mm-hmm. that are coming, not the realities themselves. Um, there, there's a, there's a, a question in a lot of the New Testament that's, that's really relevant for people, especially in that first generation, which is how, how do we relate to all of these things that God did in the Old Testament, which were good? Like God did them. They're not like a mistake or a problem. But now Jesus has come and things have changed. How much have they changed? What what, is, what does it mean now? How do we think about the Old Testament now that we've got Jesus? And is it all gone away with and that sort of thing? So there's all these different metaphors. And in this one, it's, it's almost like the image of uh, if you've got a, a shadow and you can see the shape, it's, it's a, a representation of something. But then the thing that it was shining on, like the, you, you imagine the light shining on an object and you see the shape of the object on the wall – Well, you you learn something about that object, but when the the object itself steps into focus and you're looking at the object, you you see it more clearly, you know what I mean? So there's something about the law that was good and right and pointed to true things, and yet when you get Jesus, there is a fullness of all the things the law was meant to be about that you see clearly and crisply and and in a fulfilled way that's there. There's lots more that can be said even from this passage about how those are related, but um, seeing it as not we're done away with, but it's a fuller picture, uh, is a helpful one to start with.
1: Another thing that stuck out to me, and I've never noticed this before in all of the years that I have read Hebrews, you have Christ testifying and you have the Holy Spirit Mm -hmm. testifying about the same topic. And so Jesus in verse 5 and the Holy Spirit in verse 15. Yep.
0: Another thing that I saw uh, that was interesting is it, it says, again, he it, it says, uh, what is that? That's verse 16. Uh, the Holy Spirit is testifying this. He said, I will put my law in, in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. Um, then he adds, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. And where these have been forgiven, sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. So two things popped in my mind. The first one was at the top when he says, I'll write the law on their hearts and on their minds, a thought of John 14:26 when it says that the Holy Spirit is going to teach and remind us of all the things that Jesus has said. So that was kind of cool getting a reminder of how, how the Holy Spirit uh, helps us understand how Jesus wants us to live. But then the second one is I thought about people in you know these times who were reading this passage, um, some of the Jews who were still offering sacrifices because that was just something that they did. and then all of a sudden they're being told, sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. Like, what were they thinking at that point? Were they like, well, like, well, then I don't have to do like, am I just not going to go to the temple and do that anymore? Because I don't need to like, what? that was probably, that's something they had done their entire life. So what was that like for people? I tried to like put myself in that situation and go, everything that my entire existence was founded on is now long, no longer. It's like, I'm being told that you sh- you don't have to do that anymore.
1: Paradigm shifting. Yeah. Difficult to comprehend. Generations. Yeah. Of like, knowing that that's the thing that made you right with God and then someone
2: telling you, nope, that's not the thing. Mm-hmm. Wars had been fought over sacrifices in the temple. Like wars with people who are outside of Israel and wars within Israel about how that should be done. Like it was so we, – we cannot uh, – there, there are very few things that even compare with the level of centrality to someone to say the temple and the sacrifices that were there are so central to our, 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 our community and our culture um, we just don't have an equivalent kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So it would have been really dramatic. It's part of why Hebrews had to be written. So we say, oh, wow, this is a curious kind of exploration of all these obscure Old Testament things. And they're like, obscure? What are you talking about? It's the center of our whole life. Yeah. And so for someone to come out of that and say, well, the, what do we? how do we relate to that? Like there needed to be a deep dive, long explanation, which is why Hebrews is, is taking the time to do that. Even if you notice in the book of Acts, there are times when... Like Paul goes to the temple, and Peter and John and James and whatever they're they're worshiping in the temple because it's still even as Christ followers an important part of their life. They didn't cease to be Jewish.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Jesus is the fulfillment of all that, but working out what that means it 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 takes some work, mm-hmm. you know.
1: One of my hopes here is with, with the verse that Nikki quoted and then referred to John. It says. Uh, This is the covenant I will make with them. After that time, says the Lord, I will put their laws. I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. And she talked about John. Man, am I hoping that there's at least one Bible-savvy schedule user, one podcast listener that thought about Jeremiah. I mean, we spent so much time in Jeremiah, (laughs) and that is a quote right out of Jeremiah, like the most popular, one of the most popular Jeremiah verses, right? So I need a little bit of encouragement for my soul that there is at least one person out there (laughs) that when they saw that, they went, oh, Jeremiah. Yep. So if that's you, email us at?
0: Podcast at BibleSavvy.com.
2: This is great. Although I will, I will defend Nikki just a little bit. We did read John in between Jeremiah and That's this, true. So that, it, that, does, that does work, but they go together. Yeah. And, yep. and it is, that Jeremiah passage is so important because it's talking about the New Covenant yep. that lots of New Testament people are trying to explain how it would work out.
1: Yeah. I wasn't discounting yeah. Nikki's comment <laughs> yeah. as much as hoping, that's, just <laughs> hoping in my soul that someone out there was thinking about
2: Jeremiah. Yeah. Uh, one That's image great. that I find helpful, this, this uh, came to mind as we were reading before, um, when it talks about the law being written on our hearts, uh, I, I kind of think of it as a difference between being in driver's ed and getting your driver's license. So when you're, when you're in driver's ed and you've got someone who you know, is the, the instructor or your parent or whatever sitting next to you saying, hey, don't forget to do this. Don't forget to do that. Check your mirrors. You know, turn on your turn signal. Did you see that? They're, they're kind of an external guide to how you're supposed to do this. But the idea of going to the next phase of saying, I'm, I'm, I've got a driver's license, you don't actually do away with all the things that that person was saying, but instead of them being next to you, it's got to be in you. Like, you have to be the one who's saying, all right, I got to check the mirrors, I got to turn the turn signal, I got to pay attention, and it becomes a natural part of you doing it rather than something having to remind you. This is, this is kind of the shift from the old to the new covenant. The kind of person you are meant to be is still the same, but the way it's structured that we now have the spirit inside us guiding us and empowering us for that makes it so that instead of it being hey let me tell you the rule let me remind you here's the system It we've embodied all of those things it, and they just flow out of us
0: that's a really good analogy I was wondering where you were going with that but it makes sense now um, I think the interesting thing he says here is uh, is in verse 9 he says he set he sets aside the first to establish the second um, so it's like I, at first I was like okay so he sets aside the repeated sacrifice and offerings for the once for all uh sacrifice of Jesus. Um but then I think about too like is there that's I know that that's what it means but then I also thought to myself like some people think well you know the old testaments done and, and gone with we don't pay attention to that right? Because Jesus fulfilled it. Um but that's not that's not true. You know like
2: yeah. So the, here, another analogy. Yes. Yeah. Uh, that's that's how it works for me. I
0: love it. Um, hey so, Clayton, tell us another yeah, analogy.
2: Sure. Uh, hey Clayton, I don't know what comes after that. Yeah,
0: we just like saying that. <laughs> so,
2: um, so think of it like a prism. So how does a prism work? White light goes into a prism, and then on the other side, it's uh, it's a rainbow, right? Like so, it's, it spreads out into the full spectrum. The way it works is that certain Wavelengths of light bend more through a prism than others. So you, you end up with some light that comes through and is almost the same angle that it entered in, and that's one color of light, and then you have some angles of light from the white light that bend more, and they're going at a, a sharper angle from the direction they were going. So if you look at a prism, you see it's fanned out. Some of the colors are going a sharper angle than the other ones. The Old Testament is like that. Jesus is the prism. All the things in the Old Testament go through him and come out on the other side affected, some are more affected than others. So there are certain things in the Old Testament. You shall not murder. Basically, do not change direction. Like the angle is the same, going in and going out. Jesus doesn't really alter that other than to say, hey, let me remind you, this has got to be internalized. You can't hate, right? Um, other things change wildly. Like they feel almost like they've been done away with, but it's not because they are no longer relevant, but it's because Jesus has so fulfilled them. So things like the sacrifices, once it's done, it's done. So that color turns more sharply Than some of the other things. So when we look at the Old Testament, what we've always got to do is pull it through the prism of Jesus and say, how much does Jesus change this? Mm. And some things are changed a lot. Some things are only changed a little or or hardly at all. And so that's that's where we've got to go back and say, we can't understand Jesus without the Old Testament because it's always referred to all the time. And whatever it is, Jesus isn't throwing away. He's fulfilling and transforming it for what comes next. And so uh, it's a little bit like jumping into a a movie series right in the middle, and you're like, what? Where's this coming from? Why is that relevant? Um, You've got to have the Old Testament, even though Jesus makes it different.
0: Very cool.
1: Okay, my next observation is a repeated word or phrase, and it's the phrase being made perfect. So we have here... Uh, at the beginning of this chapter where it says, for this reason it can never by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year make perfect those who draw near to worship. So this is talking about animal sacrifice, not being able to make a person perfect. But then you have in verse 14 says for by one sacrifice, Jesus's sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. And so as I read that text, I think to myself, well, I think I'm in that category of people he has made perfect, but I certainly don't feel perfect, so in what way perfect?
2: Well, one thing that helps uh, always when we're talking about the things that the Bible says about us in Christ is to remember there is a dynamic of it being already true and not yet totally true. And usually what we mean by that is it's already true that our status with God is perfect, So the sacrifice has made it so that God is not holding our sin against us. It's not like he's saying, well, I still have kind of, you know, some debt that it needs to be paid, and I'm kind of holding out to see if it's okay. No, that debt is wiped clean. Like, there's there's nothing hanging over our head in terms of God's stuff. But when it comes to us, like our behavior and our attitudes, the stuff inside that still needs to be worked out, we're in process of that. That's sort of why in verse 14... It says, uh, by the one sacrifice, sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. So there is both a thing that's already happened, we've been made perfect, but we're also being made holy. There's a process going on. And that dynamic uh, is repeated all the time when we talk about what has happened to us and what is happening to us.
0: And I think, again, that I think it makes sense that the part about the Holy Spirit comes up after that line, because that is... Part of the work of the Holy Spirit is to help in that sanctifying process in helping us understand God's word and apply it and be obedient to it. And it's just continually working out of our faith in obedience until one day we are made completely, we're we're completely made perfect when, when, when when we reach the new heaven and the new earth.
1: That sound means it's time for your Comma Tip of the Week. You may be familiar with the YouVersion Bible app. After all, it's the most popular Bible app in the world. Another good Bible app is called Olive Tree. I personally use Olive Tree, and it recently got even better. Why? Because the Bible Project videos that we regularly talk about here on the podcast are now integrated into the Olive Tree app. And this has been your Comma Tip of the Week.
2: Yeah, there are actually some uh, really relevant Bible Project videos for this passage. Uh, If you go and find their ones that they did on sacrifice— or the one on holiness, both of those will probably make a lot of sense out of things that are in this passage and also in Hebrews, because it's talking about the sacrificial system. If you really want to do a deep dive, they also did a great video on the book of Leviticus. Um, it's, it's surprisingly uh, good, and so uh, any of those would be great context for this, but specifically the sacrifice for this passage. All right, let's talk about one of the M's in comma. Let's go to meditation here. We're going to go to verse 10, and... Uh, We're going to ponder for the next 45 seconds this passage, just prayerfully talk with God about this. We have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. talk about the other m in comma which is message how do you take something you've seen in this passage and summarize it in a principle that you can apply to your life
0: my message is to remember and celebrate the goodness of Christ's life death and resurrection
1: okay my my message is going to be one word cooperate and let me explain let me explain how i got there if jesus has already accomplished something for me on the cross that I could have never accomplished on my own, then it's done. But also true, as we were talking about the whole made perfect concept, in God's eyes, He has already accomplished it, it is already done. I am perfect, in perfect union with Christ. But I'm also being made holy. So God is doing this wonderful work in our lives. And so, it's, it's not something I have to strive for. It's not something I have to accomplish. It's not something that I have to do on my own. It is a wonderful work of God with which I cooperate.
2: My message is this. Jesus' sacrifice is enough. All right, let's talk about the A and comma, which is application. What do we do in response to this?
0: All right. My message, remember and celebrate the goodness of Christ's life, death, and resurrection. My application was to ask myself a question. How often do I do that? How often do I remember and celebrate it? Um, In in prayer, I don't think I do it enough. Um, And so uh, I want to be more mindful of my prayers, uh, starting with a recognition of remembering and celebrating what Jesus has done and what he offers to us. And I also think, like, how how much how much deeper and how much more um, would we live with a with a deep sense of thankfulness um and obedience if we actually remembered more regularly outside of communion outside of easter or good friday um but on a day-to-day basis remember and celebrate the sacrifice of christ
1: okay my message is cooperate my application is cooperate. <laughs> Easy enough. What I'm, what I'm currently pondering is, I wonder how much time we all waste trying to pay for our own sins. Mm-hmm. And could we better use that time and that energy recognizing, oh, that's already been paid for. There's nothing I could do to pay for it. And it's already been paid for. So I'm going to spend my time and my energy cooperating with the good work that
2: God wants to do in my life, yeah, my message is Jesus' sacrifice is enough, and my application is is essentially the same thing. Stop trying to pay what's already been paid you know there's uh there's a certain personality type, so some of some of you are like, oh it's been paid, whatever, and so you get real you know uh you know nonchalant about uh your behavior and your sin and your attitude, but there's another set of people, and it happens a lot when you've been in church world for a while where you start to feel like you know what i I, can, I can't actually feel good about being close to God until I've kind of like you're earned my keep again. You know, I kind of I messed up. I got to prove that I'm trustworthy. I got, I've kind of messed up. I better do some things or be on my best behavior for a little while before I can feel like God's okay.
1: Perfectionism.
2: Me. Perfectionism is another way to put it. And so there are um, – the, the thing you do instead of saying, all right, what do I need to do to sort of like make it up to God – is to just keep looking at Jesus. It goes back to what Nikki was saying. Like, you look at the accomplishment of Christ, it, it, you're still taking your sins seriously, but you're saying, he, I'm taking him more seriously. He, he took care of it. And it gives you a whole lot of freedom to start doing what, what Eric's talking about, is not stress about, are you okay with God? And just start cooperating with what, Jesus, uh, what, what the Holy Spirit's doing in your life right now.
0: Well, there you have it, friends. Thanks for listening this week. Join us again next Monday for a new episode. We'll be looking at another passage from the Bible Savvy Reading Plan. In the meantime, if you're not following along, you can check out biblesavvy.com to download it and start reading today. Also, you can subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Email us your questions or suggestions at podcast at biblesavvy.com. Lastly, tell your friends, and we'll talk to you next week.